0: Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show.
1: Hello there and welcome to Business of Design, episode 181. And we've got something a little different planned for you today. We are going to introduce Hey, somebody's already here. Is it Cheryl? Now, hi,
2: Jackie. How are you? Should I unmute you? Hi. Hi. How are oh, you doing? I don't know what's going on. Not sure what's going on with my camera. I'm good. I'm from Australia, so I just thought if I go on it, I'm not going to fall asleep, and then <laughs> that's why I'm back. <laughs> what time is it there right now? It is 2.45 in the morning. Oh, my goodness. Wow.
1: Whoa, hey, put the brakes on, you're probably confused. What I started to say is we're going to do something a little bit different. Every month, members of Business of Design, industry peers, fabulous interior design folks come together in order to ask their most pressing questions. And I get to give them the best answer I possibly have to that question. It's a lot of fun, it keeps me on my toes, and there's so much good stuff we thought you might all appreciate hearing. So what you heard at the top of the show is me just signing into Business of Design Group coaching, only to realize there was already a member on the line, a member from Sydney, Australia. So you're hearing Jackie show up to the call, and I'm asking her what kind of information she's looking for today. Did you show
2: up this morning with specific questions you wanted to ask? Um, I've got a few general questions. I asked them before in the um, in, as part of the courses, and you said come come to the meeting. So oh, it was okay. about. What I'm thinking um, is maybe
1: we can ask you first, so that you can get to sleep. What do you think?
2: Oh no, I'm going to listen to the whole thing okay. regardless. <laughs> <laughs> Okay,
1: awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, good. Okay, wait a minute. You're probably still confused. So let me try again. I'm confused. Here's what's going to happen. Once a month, Business of Design has a get-together where everybody who wants to show up virtually can show up and ask questions. I learn a lot at these get-togethers because obviously I don't know everything. So if someone asks me a question that I don't know the answer, we open the mic up and someone in the community has a great answer. So it was about 1 p.m. EST when I jumped onto Zoom. And I thought, I'm going to record the intro to the podcast before anyone shows up. But there was Jackie early. And as it turns out, really early, super early in the morning because she's in Sydney, Australia. So Jackie and I chatted a little bit and I said, Cheryl and I had been considering opening the mic up, I'm recording some of the questions and answers for a podcast. But we made it really clear to everybody, if they had a question they wanted to ask privately, we wanted to honor and support that. So they did not have to participate in the podcast. We did about 50% of the call not for the podcast. So what's going to happen next? You'll hear Cheryl come on the line and she's going to get everybody all organized and then we'll start the questions. Things get a little raucous at one point when someone asks a question I just cannot answer on a podcast. I have no idea what Cheryl's going to do with that when she edits all this. Regardless, I'm really glad you're here. This is episode 181, Pressing Questions from the Business of Design community. We may not be together in real life, but I tell you what, we are there with you in spirit, and we know we're not alone. Because we keep you right here in our hearts as well. Happier days ahead. And in the meantime, a wacky episode. Enjoy.
3: Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Seldon. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $79. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too.
1: As the episode begins, you'll hear me engage with Cheryl, Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations. And then I'll quickly explain to Business of Design members in the Zoom meeting what we have planned, and it should all make sense from there. Hey, Cheryl. Hey, how are you? Hey, you have coffee. All right. That's not nice. I was debating if I should have one um, or if I should do it after, like a little reward, you know?
0: I don't know.
1: I decided to hold off.
0: Coffee in the morning in like this huge mug. And then this is like my afternoon team. I got to do like the (laughs)
1: the branded. Oh. We have so many cute things we were going to give away at the retreat, at the conference. Like, wow! I don't want to think about all we've lost. For the moment, it'll come back. But anyway, hi, Ginger. She said, it's her first time here after having listened to me for years. Oh dear! Oh dear! So good. Nice yeah. you. new member. Oh, nice. Okay. Before we get started, uh, I just want to say, Cheryl and I have this brilliant idea, we think it's a brilliant idea anyway, that we would record this session, if you will, and use parts of it for the podcast. I don't want to stop anyone from being able to ask their question privately, if that's your desire, so you're under no obligation to be part of the podcast. But if you're comfortable asking your question live and and allowing people to hear your voice and maybe using a first name or an alias, then uh, we'll ask you to open up the mic, ask your question live. And Cheryl, Jackie from Sydney is already on the line. It's about three o'clock in the morning and she's got a few questions and she agreed to, to be part of the podcast. So if we can start with her while everybody else is thinking about, I feel like i got like a bug bite. Like, oh my gosh, it's itching my chin so much. Um, <laughs> we'll start with Jackie and then anybody who wants to ask a question and, and have it maybe be part of the podcast, great. Let us know. But if you have a question and you do not want want to be part of the podcast, no problem. I want to make sure you get your question answered as well. So no pressure. Let's get started. We'll open up the mic and hear from Jackie from Australia, Sydney. And Sydney, how is it, how are you guys doing regarding COVID there?
2: Um, it's okay. Melbourne's um, back in lockdown. Right. I reckon it will be, you know, any day we'll go back in lockdown. But at the moment. We're all free, <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. a bit scary, but
1: yeah, yeah, it really is it's uh and it's a long it's a marathon, turns out. Yeah. It's 3 a.m. in the morning. Jackie has stayed awake all night, which I don't even think I could do anymore. I go to bed now so early because of the whole COVID thing. I don't even think I could be up till midnight anymore. So Jackie, thank you for uh, staying awake so late. And we'd love to answer your questions early so you can go to bed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, So my question is in regards to step one. Um, With the initial consultation and I was wondering how would you or would you approach it differently for a developer client as opposed to an end user client? That is such a good question.
1: And we get that from time to time. So I'm assuming that you mean the developer says, I've got this great big project with 82 homes in it. And we want to use you, Jackie, the design professional, to meet individually with each homeowner and help them make all of their
2: selections. Is that right? Um, I wasn't thinking along those lines. It was more you know, we're doing a six luxury apartment development, or we've got this piece of land and we want to subdivide it and create, you know, four homes on it, really high-end homes that, so it's it's not go to 100 different people and find out everything, make it perfect for every single person, but... It's it's on a smaller scale but still a big project. Right. Okay. I but the clients are not emotionally involved because they're not the ones that are going to be living there.
1: Right. I could understand how in a situation like that, where you're essentially having a meeting with a developer to convince that developer that you're the designer who should be hired for the project, I can understand how a two-hour consultation where you're charging a flat fee might not be the best way to go. Having said that, I do think I'd want to be clear prior to the meeting with the developer, uh, what's the agenda of the meeting? How many other designers are you speaking to? what is it going to take for me to be the successful designer uh, following the meeting? What are you looking for um, so that I can come to prepare to the meeting? And maybe it's just that you need a one hour meeting to discuss what they're looking for. And then you're going to be asked to provide a package uh, that shows pricing. So in a way it's more similar to commercial design where a lot of designers for commercial design projects will go to that first meeting for free. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. that yeah. yeah, I just, I would ask the questions though, very directly, like who else are you considering for this project? And then if they waffle on that, just say, you know, I just want to know, um, am I in, you know, am I in a mix with other designers I respect? Am I one of two? Am I one of nine? Um, I think that that's a reasonable question to ask before you decide to give your free time and go out and potentially give away your expertise for nothing.
2: Yeah. Okay. Thank you. That makes a lot of sense. Cool. I'm
0: going to open it up to Andrea next.
1: It's funny, you know, Jackie had asked the question uh, via the forum, via the website, which happens, right? People watch a course and then they ask a question. And unless you have a little bit more context, sometimes it's really hard to give good, reasonable answers in that capacity. You sometimes need to ask a few follow-up questions.
0: Um, Andrea, I'm trying to unmute you, but I need to ask permission. No, it's not allowing me to unmute Andrea. There might be a sound issue on your end. Um, Okay. We'll come back to you, Andrea, if you can figure out sound on your end. Uh, Jennifer, can we hear you? I'm here. Yes. What's your question? So I'm in the process
1: of revamping my business model. I've always uh just charged markup plus hourly for product and just referred business out and i've decided to add project management to my services and which i'm excited about but it's very intimidating i've watched the course on project management and how to charge and things but i'm in the process of trying to figure out which contract i should download um of, of what's offered which one would like suit my business
0: model best and I wanted to know if there was any verbiage on project management
1: within that contract before I make the purchase. The two contracts Andrew is referring to, one is my hourly fee contract and one is the flat fee contract. There's actually very little difference between the two contracts, which is kind of surprising because I follow most of the same fundamentals of Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy with both. So between those two contracts, in fact, both of them have the same policy around markups. It's, they're exactly the same. It's just that with the flat fee contract, of course, you're not engaged to do the project management until you've completed the other phases, the other two phases. But in terms of how it works, they're both exactly the same. Okay, great. I'm glad well, you're gonna you. do that too, because the reality is most of us are intimidated by that term, you know, project manager. I don't want to be the project manager, but if you order one piece of furniture, you're the project manager for procurement for that one piece of furniture. And it doesn't take very much effort to stretch that skill set out. To project manage everything. If you can order, track, receive, and install a single piece of furniture. You can do that for everything else on the project as well, provided you have systems. And I'll just give you one more. Um, I'll just, you know, I'm clearly I'm biased. I think the designer should be the project manager all the time because I think we're much more detail oriented than a lot of the other trades. But here's a perfect example. I had a uh, project, everything went great. And suddenly we decided we were gonna do this new glass door, which was super fun. And we added it at the end of the project to the ensuite. And the contractor said, listen, I'm already talking to Louie over at the hardware place. So, do you want me just to get the doorknob? for the ensuite, suite. And I said, sure. And so a flurry of things happened. The doorknob wasn't going, where's the doorknob? Where's the doorknob? He finally sent me an email and said, is this the doorknob? And I said, yes. So he ordered the doorknob. And then when I went to the job site and saw it installed, it was 12 inches in diameter, It's massive. It looks like a Bozo the Clown doorknob. And so I had to call the client and took a picture. I'm like, a slight little hiccup with the doorknob. And we had a good laugh about it. But because of COVID, getting it corrected has been a bit of a nightmare. And because the doorknob was so big, they they drilled two holes in the glass door. Now I have to have back plates made to cover up the two holes and then have the correct doorknob installed. And whose fault is that? The contractor says it's my fault because I said, yeah, that's the doorknob. And I would have to agree with him. And so I'm paying for the new doorknob, the new backplates, and the new installation because I should have been more careful and looked more closely at what he sent me. But when I project manage, that kind of stuff doesn't happen. So I'm just a big fan of just give me all of it to be responsible for. And then if I make a mistake, I can throw some money at it. No big deal. I've got money. Anyway, there, there you go. That's my week. That's in fact, that's my, The last three months have been stuff like that. I've been dealing with like, no fun. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. Thanks.
0: Um, uh, I'm going to try and open it up to Loretta.
1: Loretta asked to unmute loretta oh, we should, you? shouldn't we be in palm springs you? right now loretta no in october we should be in palm springs together in october, <laughs> october. really sad yes I <laughs> how are sad. you i know
4: doing well back in the city for a bit it's different
1: <laughs> yeah Yeah, it's a different vibe, right? When you're in an urban environment with lots of people versus like a rural environment where there's lots of space to roam. It's just a different vibe with everything that's going on.
4: I agree, I agree, yeah. So I have a quick question for you. I'm working with a client now and they mentioned they may wanna take over the project after presentation, so I wouldn't do the execution. However, they're kind of hinting if it doesn't go well on their end, they might want to hire me to complete it. But that could be three or six months down the way. How would you handle it if they do come back and say, Red, I'd like to hire you back to finish?
1: If this, if this were um, a video and not a podcast, everybody would have seen me put a like my two fingers to my head, as if I had a gun, right? Because the reality is that they take it over to start. The only reason they will want you to come back to finish it, and they will want you to come back to finish it, is because it will be a hot mess. Only now it's a hot mess you didn't even make. So you've got to unravel the hot mess and they're going to be already frustrated that they've spent all this money. Like, I just don't see a win scenario there. So I, I had a si- similar situation this last year, this was last year, 2019, and I, I think I shared about it where I had to let the clients go because they decided, the husband decided he wanted to do the project management. And I said, I already know it's going to be a nightmare. I, I don't have to, I don't have to go along with this to know how this turns out. And I had um, a note from the wife of the relationship. Sure enough, it's a hot mess it is a hot mess. And she's like, is there any way? No, 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 no. I can't. I just can't win. Now, having said that, I'm not an idiot. If I needed to pay the bills, I would take the job and I would just suck it up and I would do it. But you definitely don't have to put yourself in that position. And then the other thing, Loretta, um, in in terms of, so do they want you to do the purchasing and then they're going to take it over or they're going to do all the purchasing?
4: Um, Kind of sounded like she was going to do all the purchasing. I don't think it'll go forward even to start on their end. So should I just do a little, like, um, part of the uh, scope of work that if they hire me back, they have to pay an additional fee to review stuff if they haven't started working?
1: Well, I I think think they... If they hire you back, they're going to be in a terrible position because the only reason they're going to hire you back is because it's a mess. And so you'll be in a position to charge for every single minute of your time to fix the mess. Um, that's been my experience anyway. When I've come back to a project, I had a, a project once where the, the client suddenly let us go and said they were going to do the project management. And then when we got back, it was a mess. I mean, they, they just so happily paid all of our bills because we fixed it, but it just wasn't that much fun. Um, And in that case, they had a child who had a severe disability. So I felt like, oh, I feel really bad for them. I'm going to go back and do this. But the one thing I would think about too, like let's say that that situation happened to me again, I'm using all these resources that are trade only. So that's another thing to consider. I would say to the clients, absolutely, you can take the project over. However, you're going to have to get quotes on the blinds, the fabrics, the drapes, because none of my trades are going to work for you they only work for me. So good luck, you know? Um, And then I would talk to my trades and I would say, here's the thing that happened. And, you know, she calls you, the answer is no. The answer is just no. Um, And then because, you know, we're human beings, if a trade said to me, I'm desperate for work, I desperately need the work, I'd say, great. So gosh, that sounds terrible. Cheryl, you have to cut that out of the podcast. There are things we can say together (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that I just can't yeah. have out in the world that sounds terrible but you know what I mean I know what you mean yeah so I I know how to handle this then no, okay good you. and Cheryl are you gonna cut that out seriously <laughs> you can you might have to remind me oh my gosh I don't have any bandwidth to remind you my brain is just done <laughs> you have to write that down seriously I just that comment right toward the end we make a note make a note I'm watching her she has to write it down I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm watching. She's writing, she's
2: writing.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's just certain things we say behind closed doors that I'm just not saying on a podcast. That would just be, not sound right. This is why, D- Dina says, this is why we like the forum. Yeah, because I'm more like, yeah. Oh, Loretta, you're so sweet. She's emailing Cheryl to remind you. I love it. I, that. I need a note. That is, I, know, I love So good, yeah. so good, so good. I'll quickly.
0: And if a few members are writing in about, uh, Uh, questions about the retainer, but they're coming typed in. So we'll keep those ones uh, till the end. We'll keep that out as well.
1: Well, we could ask them. We could just answer them without hearing who's asking them. Um,
0: I have a question about the retainer. Would you elaborate on how to provide assurance to the client that paying a retainer is a practice that benefits them as well as me?
1: All right. This is definitely not going on the podcast people. Okay. So I need to think about this. I need to process this out loud with all of you on the call. Um, The truth is the period. That's the truth. However, and I guess I would ask, why do you need to justify why you need the retainer? Like, so what I would say to the client is, the retain- this is exactly what I'd say to the client right on the spot. I'd say, the retainer is there to make sure that I can pay the bills no matter what happens. Oh, and then I tell them real life stories. And I'll say, this one time we are at a cottage, we are working on someone's boathouse, and the police come cuff my client and take him away in a cruiser. And we're all standing there with our mouths open like, oh my God, what is happening? What just happened? And back then, this was maybe 15, 16 years ago, my retainers were so small. So I think I had a $10,000 retainer, but he owed me like $300,000. So you can imagine my second thought after we're like, oh my God, is he, are they cuffing him? My second thought is, oh my God, I need this money. You can't You can't go to jail. You have to pay me, right? So I tell my clients stories like those. That's why I have a retainer because things happen in life. And um, we also had a situation where the clients uh, got a nasty divorce and they just stopped paying their bills. It had nothing to do with us, right? It had to do with the fight that they were in. He said she had to pay and she said he had to pay. But in the meantime, we didn't have any money. So I just quickly will go into those kinds of stories about why I need a retainer container to make sure that I can protect the financial health of my company. And I, I've never had a client, um, argue with that or try to persuade me otherwise. Did that answer the question? I went off on a tangent there.
0: I think it did. I think it did. Um, Ginger's got her hand up. Let's allowed to talk and ask to unmute. Hello.
5: Hi. Thank you. Um, So my question is, I've been running my firm for a very long time and I just started thinking about charging for consultation fees, which I never had before because we're a design build firm and I put pretty much all of that into the contract. So my question is, I'm starting to charge and I don't know if I should charge 100 or 125 for like 40 or 45 minutes. Should I say that they would get that money back if they actually sign the um, contract with me? Like on that, cause I charge for a design contract and then I also charge for, you know, our building contract. And then I also do markup on our product.
1: Yeah. That's something I should do to kind of win them over. Well, what you're describing, Ginger, is a three-tiered business model, which is the same business model that we have. We charge for all of those services as well. It's a bit like buying a phone. You don't automatically get data. You don't automatically get roaming. You don't automatically get streaming. You have to pay extra for those services. So that's a three-tiered business model. I don't ever understand the rationale for saying, I'll come to this really important meeting and give you my expertise. And then... If you decide to hire us, I'm going to give you that money back. I don't really understand that rationale. And if we're if, if this were an evening event and we were all drinking wine, I'd say. And the other thing I would say that if you're looking at charging something like $100 for a consultation, what kind of customer thinks $100 is worthwhile and valuable? To me, that's speaking mm-hmm. to a client who is probably not able to build the kind of projects you want to build. Can I put it that way? Yes. Um, that hourly, that consultation rate, I think, is a really important pre-qualifier to getting the kind of clients you really want. And I was just uh, talking to a really good friend. We're thinking of going on an RV trip, a bike trip, or we, we're going to rent these RVs. And we were sitting around, each of us had our iPads safely six feet apart, and we were Googling different places you could rent RVs. And my girlfriend said, there's a a filter, make sure to sort it by price. And I did. And she said, you know, I always start looking at the most expensive RV because I want a luxury experience. And I thought, you know, that's true. So do I. So are you looking for the customer who's filtering by the most expensive, ergo seemingly the most value? Or are you looking for the customer who's sorting by the cheapest? Does that make sense? definitely because I do want the
5: one with more since we don't take on a job unless it's at least you know our our minimum is 275,000 and then Mm -hmm. then we go from there so
1: so I could tell if I went to you and I wanted to build a house and you were going to charge me a hundred dollars for the consultation and one of your competitors was charging twelve hundred dollars for the consultation a hundred percent to your competitor and i i would think i of course i wouldn't know this but i would make up in my head that the person who's charging twelve hundred dollars is more suited to the level of quality i want okay right
5: that so, that helps a lot because i was just about to roll that out on our website so maybe i should charge more and then i'll get the clientele that I'm wanting to come to me without me going
1: to search for them. Um, Cause I've been struggling with what do I charge? What do I do? Yeah. So that's helpful. Well, and the, you know, the other thing, it depends too. Like for some people, they want to go to the consultation for free. They want to chat. They want to have a meet and greet. I don't have time for that. If you, if I'm going to pay you $1,000 for the consultation, what am I going to get? So it's so interesting. We just are refilming all of the process for business of design and I'm able to go back and really add so much more detail now. And one of the things we emphasize in step one is you have to be able to articulate what the value is that you're going to give clients at that consultation. So in other words, it's not like it's a thousand bucks or I don't get out of bed, honey. It's a thousand dollars. And this is what you're going to get for a thousand dollars and what they're going to get for a thousand dollars should sound like a thousand dollars worth of amazing stuff. Right? Yeah, that definitely. Thank you. That's very helpful. Of course. Yay. Nice to meet you. Turns out there were just too many great questions to fit into one podcast, so next week, part two, Asked and Answered. If you'd like to get in on Business of Design group coaching, we'd love to have you. It's the perfect time to consider membership. Stay healthy, stay well, and look forward to seeing you next
3: time. Thank you for being a part of the Business of Design community. If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, a free introductory course which includes three Business of Design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a Business of Design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.